All right, guys, we are closing in on the month of October, which means you only have a couple of days left to nominate some amazing art teacher in your life. There are probably so many. How will you ever pick just one for the Praying a True Ray Art Teacher of the Month? What's this, you ask? It's this amazing program that Praying True Ray Dixon and Ticonderoga have come up with to celebrate the awesomeness that is art teachers. Every month, they're going to collect, or they are collecting, nominations of art teachers, and they will pick one art teacher to celebrate. This teacher is going to be showered with art supplies, an amazing plaque, and just all sorts of social media recognition, as all art teachers should be. The beautiful thing that I love so much about this program is that it shines a light not only on art teachers, but what art teachers do every single day and how much we need to value art teachers. So if you want to celebrate some amazing art teacher in your life, then here's all you got to do. Hop on over to the Praying True Ray Art Teacher of the Month Facebook page. Follow the steps for nominations there. Or you can follow them at Art Teacher Appreciation, all one word, on Instagram. On Instagram, which I love to follow folks on Instagram, I don't know about you, but they have a clickable link that takes you straight to a little form where all you have to do is drop your nomination's name in. And that's it. Once their name is in, they are in for good. So no need to nominate somebody every month. No need to ask for votes. It really is just that simple. So thank you, Prang True Ray, Art Teacher of the Month program, for sponsoring this podcast. And even bigger thanks for celebrating us. Tell me, is there really anything more annoying than hearing these words from a young artist. I'm done. I'm like, what are you? A chicken dinner? Am I supposed to take you out of the oven now? I've said that to them a time or two. And while they think that, oh, Steven, she's just so funny. She's really dead serious. Why? Why are they shouting out that I'm done? I don't know. It's just something that I guess that... They feel a sense of accomplishment and they got to do. But I know that they know exactly what to do when they're finished because I review all of the steps from top to bottom of my lesson every time I'm finished introducing it to my students. I know I've shared this with you before. I talk about it all the time. It's my favorite teaching tool, tall, <laughs> tall in response, call and response. When I'm going over my directions with my kids and we are doing call and response, I include everything from what they're getting at the store, what their steps are to be following, all the way down to what to do when they are done. And it never, not ever, includes shouting out, I'm done. But today, that's kind of what we're talking about. What we're really going to be digging into today is early finishers. What do you do with those kids that really truly are done? And you look at your watch and holy cats, we actually have some time to spare. I'm going to be sharing with you a lot in this podcast. Um, some things that you can do when you have a short amount of time and you have students who are finished. Some things you can do when you have a, a more lengthy amount of time. 
I know that we all teach in different situations. We all teach different kinds of kids. So what I'm going to share with you today, some things you can take right back in your classroom and use right away. Other things you might be thinking, ah, Cassie, that's not going to work for me. Before you like shut me out, though, hear me out. Because if you think of some of these things with an open mind, it might not work exactly how it does in my room. But if you tweak it a little bit, it just might work in your teaching situation. But before we get too deep into all of that, let's talk about are they really finished, though? I get the question about early finishers and the activities that I provide. I get this question. What about the kids who race to finish just to get to those early finisher activities? And that is a solid question because I've had plenty of kids who try to like pull a fast one and slide a half finished work of art onto the drying rack because building blocks with buddies looked a whole lot more exciting. So what's worked for me is putting a couple of what I call speed bumps kind of in place. Things that slow my kids down a bit and hold them accountable for their artwork that they're working on. So here's speed bump number one. They gotta ask a teammate. In my room, something new I've been doing this year is instead of just calling my tables like the red table and the orange table, they are now the red team and the orange team. And I'm trying so hard this year to really emphasize working together as a team, celebrating the people at our table as our team and being a helpful and kind friend to our teammates. And so far, it's been working pretty good, knock on something wooden. But one thing that I've said to them is this, if you are done, don't ask me if it's finished. Ask a teammate. Find a teammate. Ask them if you really, truly are finished. Did you miss anything? Did you follow all the steps? Added bonus, kid critics are some of the harshest critics, and they will straighten a kid out if they see fit. Also, an added bonus to this is that kids are talking to each other, and they need to learn how to speak to one another and to also not constantly seek out the approval of an adult. Look, kids have to be taught how to slow down. Kids have to be taught how to work with intention. They have to be taught how to stop and think. And that's our job to teach them this. I oftentimes get frustrated because I, I just assume these are things that kids should already know. I mean, maybe, but if they don't, then it's on us to teach them. Speed bump number two, clean up. If students are given the green light from like a buddy at their table or a teammate, then they're supposed to clean up. And this sometimes becomes a lesson in what I call Stevens is for serious. Because if I see an empty seat with scissors out and paper askew and a chair that didn't even bother to get pushed in, and I don't see a kid anywhere around, I know it's not invasion of the body snatchers. I know it's a merry mess maker that decided to skip out on cleaning and go straight to 
early finisher's land, Blockstown, whatever it may be. And I will call them right back to their seat, remind them to clean up, and let them know that they're done in early finisher's land for the day. They can sit quietly at their seat. They can help a teammate. But I'm serious when it comes to cleanup. And they're on restriction for the day. I know that sounds harsh, and I know that seems like a little too serious, but your students are only going to take your rules and your routines as seriously as you do. And this is coming from me, Cassie, your girl who is the queen of being inconsistent. I have to force myself to be consistent like this. It, it doesn't come naturally. But I tell myself it will be a lot easier to do that now with one student and make an example so that the other students can see than it will be later on when I have 15 kids leaving everything out, leaving their tables a mess, and just skipping on over to early finisher's land and me being frustrated with that kind of behavior. And whose fault would it be? Mine. So cleanup is another speed bump that has got to be taken care of before going to early finisher's land. And then the last speed bump is riding an exit slip. My exit slips, guys, there's nothing fancy to it. It is literally a post-it note and a pencil. My students are to write down something that they learned today. I cannot tell you how many post-it notes have said, today I learned Miss Stevens is crazy. Um, yes, but what you going to do? I don't really want to tell them exactly what to write. I definitely don't want them writing down I can statements or being little parrots. I genuinely want to see what struck a chord with them that day. It's more like feedback for me and an assessment of the lesson that was at hand for me. And in my room, I have a giant bulletin board, and it says, look what I learned today. It's divided up by grade level, and my students are to put their post-it note on their particular grade level. Then they're free to visit early finishers land. So I'm going to break it down for you just a pinch. The biggest issue for me in my art class with 30 minutes when it comes to my early finishers is time. I mean, sometimes we have five minutes or less. That's not enough time to bust out sketchbooks or build with blocks, even though they sometimes try. Um, and then other times I'll have like the random couple of kids who are finished and art class isn't even half over. So for that reason, I thought today I'd kind of break down um, this podcast episode into two parts the five minutes or less early finishers, and then five minutes or more. So let's start with like the five minutes or less. Really five minutes is no time at all. And I know some teachers might be fine with just like telling the kids to chill out at their seats. But um, when it comes to having a 30 minute art class, I did the math. I ran the numbers. Five minutes is nearly 20% of my art class. It's actually 17% if you're a picky, mathy kind of person. But can you believe that? So of course, when I ran the numbers, I was like, holy cats, then that is vital. When you have 30 minutes, every single minute counts. 
So I have a couple of things that I do when I have a very short amount of time. If my students are working independently and they do not need my assistance, I don't need to be the helicopter art teacher, then I'll ask them to meet on the floor as they finish and we'll do the following. Sometimes I might read a book to them. Um, I love a good read aloud, and I'm sure you do too. I have my old standby favorites. I'm never ashamed to reread a good book multiple times. And the nice thing about it is, is that the whole class usually gets quiet. My students who are still working can still listen to the book and still feel a part of the group. Something else that we oftentimes do is we'll play a game. Um, I do quite a few different kind of very simple to kind of complicated games in my art room. Um, one of my most popular ones that I know I've shared a lot on my blog is called The Smartest Artist. I'm not going to go into the games that we do in my art room here because I think we'll save that for another podcast episode. I could talk for a long time about that. But just to give you an idea, The Smartest Artist, you can hear and watch videos all about it over on my blog. You can simply Google my name and The Smartest Artist. And of course, I have loved to play videos for my students. Scratch Garden makes wonderful videos. I love the Roy B. G. Biv video by They Might Be Giants. Um, there's just tons of great videos that you can share with your students. So if I have five minutes or less and I'm free to hang out on the floor with the kids, those are just some things that we do. Now, if my students are like working with clay or I'm circulating and filling up paint trays and I'm not able to steal away and go hang out with my early finishers, then this is what my early finishers do when they have five minutes or less. They bust out the dry erase boards. If I could give any bit of advice to teachers, new teachers, any teachers, it would be to invest in a class set of dry erase boards. Y'all, we use them all the time for so many things. Practice sketches, guided drawing practice, and early finishers. I have these extra large boards that I somehow inherited, and my students, they love to partner up and lay on the floor and draw on these large boards or draw on them by themselves. I also have smaller boards for kids who like to work independently at their seats. And another thing that I also have are drawing sheets. So next to my early finisher dry erase boards, I have a collection of laminated um, drawing sheets, sheets that I've either copied from how to draw books or printed offline or even ones that I've made up my own. And this is really great if you're having kids that are ready to go on to the next phase of a project, then they can start sketching or planning on that dry erase board. All right, so that's kind of what I do with my five minutes of time. And I know it might seem very, very simple, those suggestions, but especially dry erase boards, huge, huge hit with the kids. And they're still engaged, and they're still creating, and they're still generating ideas. Now, if you have five minutes and beyond, more than five minutes is like a pretty substantial amount of time in my room. And if I don't keep my kids creating and keep my kids busy, those last five minutes before the cleanup alarm goes off, they can dissolve into mayhem. So I'm going to share with you quite a bit of options that I have for my students, which might leave you wondering, like, 
when and how do you introduce all of these different early finisher options? So a while back, I made a video. It's a little bit long, but I literally walk my kids through every single early finisher activity, explaining even how to work certain tools, we'll say, because some of my early finishers, there's spiral graphs, there's fashion plates, there's things that kids don't just know how to use. So if you are wanting to introduce early finisher activities to your students, I would suggest making a video where you demonstrate how to use each and every one. And even in my video, I talk about um, how you know when you're free to go and use those things. We talk about asking a friend, cleaning up, writing an exit slip, and then diving in. So like I said, it's lengthy, but it covers everything. I only have to show it once, and then my students got it. Now, what I'm about to share, there's a lot of options here, but keep in mind, I have a very large art room, and I've been scooping up fun games, and I hate to call them toys because that really downplays how important it is for a kid to work with blocks, but they are toys, so that's what I'll call them. And I've been kind of collecting these things from estate sales, from thrift stores, getting donations from other teachers for 21 years. So take a minute, take a listen, kind of take it all in and know that these are just suggestions. And I am not an expert. I'm just sharing with you what works for me. So you do what works for you. Okay, let's talk about option number one that my students have, drawing. So here are all the options available for my early finishers if they feel like drawing. When doing these activities, my students have the option of working on the floor in our like instructional area, or they can work at their seats. So thing number one, dry erase boards and drawing sheets. Easy. Thing number two, they could make a bookmark. I don't know about you, but I have mountains of scraps of paper, and they all seem to be bookmark size. I recently had an art teacher visit my room, and she was sharing with me how she recently made it an option for kids to create bookmarks. And I've always been like, yeah, but she said, Cassie, they loved it. So it got me thinking. I have all of the perfect um, size for bookmarks. So I'm going to start doing the exact same thing. And my plan for this is to simply put it in a tray or in a bin with a little explanation or maybe throw this into my video since this is something new um, to kind of walk the kids through making a bookmark. So think about it. They could work with stencils and draw designs. They could add stickers or anything cut with funky, what I call funky monkey scissors to work on their bookmarks. Something else that they could do, um, they could make artist trading cards, which again, as I was thinking about the bookmark idea, I thought, I have all this paper that would make for great artist trading cards too. And if they have five minutes or more, it could be something that they create and either leave behind to continue to work on or take with them. Speaking of things that are smaller format, like a bookmark or like an artist trading card, small free draw. I started cutting my copy paper. Copy paper is what we usually use for free draw paper. 
I started cutting it in half not too long ago because I just thought they are wasting so much paper and they draw small anyway. So why not have small free draw? Another option, coloring sheets. I bought a large roll of a coloring sheet at Ikea. It, it's like very, very, um, it's a very thick roll and it, I don't know how many feet it is, but it goes on forever. And I am not a person who loves to sit and color, but my students are and they love it. So you might want to consider either getting coloring sheets or a roll of coloring paper for your early finishers. And Sketchbook Town. If you're not familiar, I just recently created something called Sketchbook Town in my art room. I made a big blog post about it, complete with video. If my early finishers feel like drawing, then they know they can go to Sketchbook Town, grab their sketchbook, and use any of the tools that are available in Sketchbook Town. Again, so that this podcast doesn't get any more lengthy than it already appears to be, go ahead, do yourself a favor, visit that blog post so you won't have to listen to me talk about it here. And lastly, the spirograph that I mentioned, the rubbing plates, the fashion plates, and that kind of thing. All of these things are available for my early finishers who feel like drawing. Now, I also have a blocks and exploring for sculptures kind of area. In my art room, I have this like spot that I call the Rainbow Lounge. It has this squishy tile flooring in bright colors. And this is the area where my early finishers can visit to build with a variety of blocks and linking cubes and more. And all of these items that I have, they've been purchased from the thrift store. I keep them in clear bins that are clearly labeled. So I have wooden blocks that at first, when I set these out, I thought, gosh, the kids are going to think that this is so babyish. I cannot tell you how much my fourth grade boys love building with blocks. And then there's so many other kind of building toys out there right now, the kind that are magnetic, the kind that link together, so many options. So anytime you hit the thrift store, keep your eyes open. I also have an area for early finishers that's called, it's called Reading with a Stuffy. For the longest time, I had a shelf of books for my students to go and read as part of early finishers activities. And those books got dusty because none of the kids wanted to read them until I introduced stuffed animals into the mix. They can grab a stuffed animal to read to and take their book to their seat or find a little cozy spot. It's been a huge hit. And I just love it. Even the kids who aren't able to read can still have that experience of looking at the pictures, making up a story and turning the pages. And now this last one just might kind of throw you a little bit. But I, a couple of years ago, had a student that anytime he finished early, he would ask me if there was anything he could do for me. I was really stumped. I'd never had a kid who wanted to like help clean the art room as opposed to going and drawing or building with blocks. And I started coming up with a list of art jobs or chores. I hate to use the word chore because it sounds, you know, not great, but that's what it is. And not long after he started doing the jobs, I had more and more kids wanting to do the same. 
kids love to help. They love to clean. So why not let your early finishers do just that? In my room, I'm working on creating, and I'll be sharing this soon on my blog because I'm still kind of thinking it through, a job chart. Essentially, I want to make it kind of Velcro-y, like with little icons of maybe brushes that need to be washed because that's not going to happen every day, or perhaps that they could wipe down chairs or... Oh, gosh, now I'm going completely blank. I had a huge list of chores that I was thinking of. Sharpen pencils, test markers. They could organize some things. I'm planning on making that chart available for my early finishers. So if they decide that they would like to help Miss Stevens out, why not let them? So really, there are endless, I feel like, early finishers options. And going forward in my room, I have big visions that I would love to have a fibers area for my early finishers. I would love to have my large, I have a very large loom. I would love to see my students weaving on it as well as the other smaller hand looms that I have. I'd love to open up an area where they could go and make, you know, pom-poms and tassels, a, a space for them to kind of go and explore fibers and yarn. I also have ideas of wanting to create a collage area. I think that would be great too. I already have my paper all organized, color-coded. All that's missing is maybe a variety of adhesives like glue, some tape, um, some scissors, maybe some like funky monkey scissors like I mentioned earlier, and a small piece of paper for the collage base, you know, like the small free draw. That way they have enough time to really explore and not make something giant that they won't be able to finish. And, you know, a sculpture area would be great, too. So what I've been doing is just kind of like as I walk into my storage closet and I see things, I think, why is this in the closet? Why is this loom sitting in the closet? That could be in the early finishers area. When I look around and I see blocks or whatever, a still life item, all my still life items that I used to also keep in my storage closet, no, I recently pulled all of those out. They are now in my drawing area and a part of Sketchbook Town. So I challenge you, if you're trying to create an early finishers area, start looking at things in your art room, things that you've maybe only pulled out for certain lessons or certain occasions. Start looking at them with fresh eyes. Think about how you can make them more accessible for your students. All that to say... Early finisher activities are really dependent on the amount of time that your kids have, right? So one suggestion that I would make when initially introducing these options, aside from making a video, is maybe give them a day or two to really explore all of your early finisher centers. You know, and what this will do is allow them to try them out see what they like, but also set a timer because sometimes kids won't try certain things. They think that they won't like it. And then when they try it, they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But give them a couple of days. And the added bonus is, is that then maybe now that it's not some mysterious, amazing thing that they've actually had a couple days to try it out, maybe they won't rush through their work to get there. So after you're done kind of creating this area, giving them a couple of days to explore 
and take it all in, I think will also be enlightening to you to see how you better, how you want to better run your early finishers area. Early finishers land also, I have found, comes in really handy when you're coming into a long break. You could open it up for a class period or maybe you want to take a little time before starting something new. Give them a little bit of a breather. It'll take a while to make early finishers land and it'll take a while for them to kind of get the hang of it. But I think ultimately they'll get there. I know that they'll get there and I know that they will love it. Good luck, guys, and have an awesome week.